just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer podcast, and uh, it's a Monday morning. We're starting out a new week, and no better way to start it out than with uh, a guest. And this guest is Tony Michaels from the Tony Michaels podcast. We've had him on before. It's always interesting. He's got some insights. He's got some opinions. And uh, and some people think he's a younger version of me. He talks a lot, swears a lot, and uh, talks a lot about politics. So we're we're kind of in a time warp here, Tony. <laughs> you know, you know, you know what the sad thing is, Tony. If they're sad. right, if they're right, all you have to do is look at that video and say. That's me in twenty years or thirty years away. <laughs> it could, that's right. It could be. It could be. You know, I don't. I don't know. Uh, this is uh, two years now. Is what uh, as of yesterday, January fourteenth, two thousand twenty-one, is when I started my show. Oh. Um, I didn't plan it that way. It was the uh, the day I went live as they were voting uh, on the House floor to impeach Donald Trump for the second time. Uh, the second time being for the insurrection. Right. And uh, here we are, two years later. I'm still. Um, yelling and screaming into a microphone so something must be right the audience is growing everyone's liking it so absolutely um, you know that's kind of where it was for me i i just started this the whole thing with tiktok and the podcast ultimately uh i said i'm not going to make any compromises i'm just going to do what i do and if it's enough and people pay attention i'll keep doing it if i if they don't i'll just fucking fade away like donald trump <laughs> should have uh, right. but but uh fortunately they've been they keep booing me up on TikTok, and I had a—I don't know if I told you, but I've told the audience before—I had a, a milestone that is, in my mind, it, it, by comparison to a lot of TikTok creators, it's not that much, but for me, it's huge. And I, I broke the two hundred thousand follower—I call them. Oh wow! Well, smart. congratulations! Thank congratulations. you, thank you. Um, and I had a guy uh, uh, that sent me an email. And he's a guy that does leather, leather crafts on on uh, TikTok, and it's mm-hmm. very he's very talented. His videos are very well done. It's very entertaining. It's intriguing. And he was saying, "Yeah, I got two hundred thousand too." And I go, "Yeah, but fuck, you're a talented guy. You got <laughs> you have some abilities, and you have right. a, the ability to create good videos. I'm just a dumb fuck doing nothing here. <laughs> I think mine is a stronger two hundred thousand than oh, I see." I see. Well, you know, um, fo- followings are um, this weird thing that we do uh, in this this time that we're in for social media, right? Yeah. And I, I actually, um, you know, I started on TikTok, as you know. Right. And I, I did videos and that evolved into the podcast. And then I, I kind of worked my way over to being more akin to uh, Twitter as a social media platform. But um, to, to be quite honest, it, it's almost like um, the less you do, the the more it works. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but but it seems like um, some yeah. of these followings, like my following over on Twitter um, seems to be pretty strong. But then I go to other social media platforms like uh, Instagram, which my following is um, much less over there. Yeah. It's, it, it's yeah, one of the smallest true. ones I have, Instagram and Facebook. Now, together combined is maybe under 3,000 people. 
but it really feels like, you know, the people there are more engaged. So it just, you know, it depends. Like if, if you're, if you're engaging people with your 200,000 on politics and someone else has got 200,000, they're not engaging people, right. you know, cause I think that's what social media is intended for, right. To, um, oh, yeah, have yeah. conversations and talk to engage with each other. So. It's, 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 it's in its infancy. I think a lot of people um, give a little bit too much credit to uh, social media. And what I mean by that is, you know, they, they act like that the, all the world's problems is blamed on social media, but you know, 50 years ago, all the world's problems was blamed on television. So, right. Right. I I come from it at a little different perspective than you do. I'm, I'm 62 years old. Mm-hmm. And my sons and my wife and some other family members, they don't want to hear my shit. So <laughs> the fact that I have anybody interested in listening, that's a big fucking win for me. So right. regardless of what the numbers say, I'm glad there's people out there right, that right. do listen and do engage yeah. and, 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 and give an old man some joy. By well, anyone's able to anyone's glad to have an audience. And I, when I do my show, I don't know, uh, I'm telling your audience this, my audience may or may not know it, but um, my wife um, normally listens to my show and and it not because she wants to, but because I'm yelling and screaming it. So yeah. she so she tends to hear the show. Um, so she doesn't actually watch it, but she gets she gets most of the of the show, but it's one sided. So when I've got a guest on or the co-host, she only hears one side or the she didn't hear the videos because I got the headphones on. But. But uh, generally, she she hears my show, um, and I actually that's when I do my show. That's what I'm thinking. Like, I try to I try to, especially my first thirty minute um, a block, the rant that I do every day. Yeah. I try to um, act like I'm talking to one person. I just pick out one person and I'm I'm talking to them. You know, I, I feel like it uh, it connects better with the audience, and that's what they're looking for. Is that uh, cathartic release because um in in today's world where we're at wrestlemania and real life intersection you know these right right republicans have turned politics uh into this entertainment industry almost just this reality tv dumpster fire Uh, i mean we watched it with the the house speaker vote and um on the floor of the house but it just it just gotten to where american politics is is more about entertainment value than it is about actual policy and what it means to the country. Well, it's nice that your wife listens. I know my wife listens to podcasts all the time. Unfortunately, she doesn't listen to my podcast. She listens to reruns of some morning show here locally and a oh, lot of and a lot of murder podcasts, you know? <laughs> well, I I I do have to say that most of the time my wife, she's like a couple notes. You were wrong on this, wrong on this, and wrong on that. You know, so so um um it's not it's not that she um um listens because she likes my show. It's because she, I'm within earshot of her more than anything. <laughs> well, and and that, that and that's a good point. Being older and more experienced, I, I prefer my wife not being nearby because I oh, know she's I one of the few people that will straighten my shit out. And yeah, yeah, that's the last thing I want to happen here. Yeah, well, constructive criticism is one thing, but um. When 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 your spouse tells you something, you you tend to better listen. So I I didn't mean to get off track there. Maybe we should no, get no. to uh, the politics. Maybe get to the business of the hour. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, like I tell the folks, I I had a woman on recently who's a listener, and mm-hmm. she is a history major. 
So we spent the whole show talking about the comparisons of Nazis from the 40s, 30s and 40s to mm-hmm. what's going on now. And it was very intriguing. It was very educational. A lot of people uh, like listening to it. But uh, so we do pretty much anything we what, fucking. You know, um, there's interesting comparisons. And I know um, we're probably going to talk about um, comparisons today of the documents case. Right, right. Absolutely. No, that's a big one. So, um, but those comparisons, when you start comparing two things, it's, it's, it's very important, um, in politics to develop a, a narrative and messaging. I, and I don't think most people, average people really understand how important narratives are in politics and how important the messaging is, especially when you're, you're staring down the barrel of fascism. Um, when we are so close to some of the comparisons of, 1930s and 1940s Germany and really what the Nazi party wanted then and what this America first Nazi party wants now. So um, it's our greatest weapon. And what I mean by that is there's two things that happens in this country in politics. There's there's the actual elections getting elected and then there's the policy making. Right. 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 And and, and the policy making doesn't make a hell of beans worth of difference. Like hey, you you could have all the greatest you know, line items lined up for bills and all these great ideas for how you're going to change the country. And if you can't put a message together and win, well, fuck, you, what the hell's the point of even, you know, having the policies and talking about them in the first place? So and Republicans have always understood that. Well, they've understood it the last 40 years really well, Um, ever since the Christian movement really started to decide that, hey, we can leverage politics to get what we want in this country and get people to do what the hell we want them to do. Now, when that religious, more Christian nationalist movement started and took over Ronald Reagan's campaign, that's when they really first started to discover, hey, if we develop national narratives and national messaging around a singular party, then what we can do is, is drive affiliation votes. And as long as they're affiliated with the party or more back then and even now more still, you know, white Christian nationalism, then then what we can do is get them to vote for a, a politician no matter what, right. right? No matter if he's grabbing them by the pussy or if he's stealing <laughs> top secret documents or the guy's trying to make deals with Ukraine to cut, to, to make sure he wins elections or he's, he's coming up with a, a coup attempt on January 6th. You know, whatever, they don't give a fuck because affiliation is the most important thing. And that's what that's what the religious right really discovered in this country. They can use affiliation uh, to their advantage and really the messaging and the narrative. And it's more like a a cult like setting. And we want to call the Trumpers a cult. But the thing is, is that it works both ways. Right. So the right wing has always had this unified narrative and, and talking points and um, you, you know, you've seen it with really with Fox News and OAN and Newsmax in the last, you know, right. f- five to six years. But before that, it was right wing talk radio and it's still right wing talk radio. And that's what drove their messaging. One unified, even if they didn't believe it, it didn't make sense. They didn't give a shit. They got behind the message because it won. That was the key because you can't you can't politic if you don't win elections. Right. So. And and I think the Democrats, especially Gen Z, is starting to catch on to this idea that, hey, we can do this with the truth. Right. You don't right. have to you don't have to um, you have to get all mired in the facts and try to beat people to death with what's real and what's factual. And, you know, I'm smarter than you are. And 
I'm more intellectual and you got to think deep. Um, politics in general is really very shallow, right? It's surface deep. And, um, and for instance, like healthcare, you ask someone, Hey, do you want affordable health care and you want to not go broke because of a medical bill? 99.9% of people are going to say, yeah, right? And that's as far as you have to go with right. your messaging and your narrative. You go beyond that. You start to give people this way of not letting you into their universe, right? And liberals have always done that because we know this. Liberals are so much smarter than everyone else. And it just that's that's the issue is that um, we've always boxed ourselves out of a national narratives because we think politics is local. You know, you always heard that shit. That's all bullshit. That's nonsense. Politics is not local. If you haven't learned anything from the past five or six years in this country, politics is definitely national. The entire thing. Let me ask you a question here. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to take a wild shot here. Uh, since you and I have a similar delivery in the way we talk and kind of sure. straightforward and swearing and all this stuff, uh, I, I specifically, I mean, I talk like this anyway, so I'm not putting on an act here. But one of the reasons I thought what I was going to do might have some impact, I have a feeling you were maybe thinking the same thing. You're talking about narratives. And for years and years, we've heard the Republicans be the bullies, talk louder and talk longer and talk prouder than everybody else and pretty much roll over the Democrats. So for me, I saw kind of a niche here. I said, well, if I can do what they do just as well as they do, but tell the truth, tell the facts, be more liberal, if you will, then maybe that will catch people's attention. And I think I think we both found that that's true, mainly because there's more of us than we ever realized, because all of us were very quiet. And it turns out Tony and Mike are not quiet motherfuckers. So we we speak out and hope hopefully somebody will get in line behind us and start talking the same shit we're talking. Well, I, I think you're onto something there as as far as narratives and, and messaging goes and liberals versus conservative and. Um, you know, I, I'm a crusty white guy. I, every indication with down to the beard and the red hat I wear yeah. and how I sound, you, you would think, you know, just on any day before I start opening my mouth that I was, you know, possibly more than likely a Trump supporter. But when the words start coming out of my mouth and I, and I talk like them, it's it, I mean, I'm from Missouri. I'm from the rural yeah. white part of the country. So I talk like them just because that's where the fuck I'm from. But um, it, it confuses them. It, it it really damages their psyche. Um, but more than anything, I think it's not about what you're saying first. OK, so so many so many liberals out there, intellectuals, and you see these fucking idiots on cable TV. You know, everyone's getting bored with this same old shit that they yeah, see. Absolutely. Uh, people on cable TV talking, talking you know, at you instead of talking with you. Right. Um, you know, Americans don't want to be talked at. They they don't want to be told what the fuck to do. That's why most people don't want not a goddamn thing to do with who caring who you fucking marry, who you fucking love, who you want to fuck. They don't give a shit. They just don't give a shit. It, it, why are you telling other people what the hell to do? Mind your own goddamn fucking business. Stay in your yard, Daryl. <laughs> so, so here's the thing is that it's not most important, first off, what you're saying, right? It's very important of how you're saying. You have to be entertaining to some degree. 
You almost have to be standout. You know, some of the best musicians in the world, and you come from the radio world, you know, they're not, they wouldn't be deemed immediately the best singer ever, right? Yeah. Like, oh, they're, they just, they have a unique sound. There's just this sound about them that, that makes them so unique and makes you want to listen more. Um, it's the same way with, with narratives and talking. Uh, that's why people are so enamored with the orange Mussolini Jesus, the grandpa poopy pants, the, the Cheeto dust QAnon or that hails down at Marlon. Hey, you're stealing my shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I've got a granddaughter. I've told this story on the podcast before. She's just a little wild girl and she likes me chasing her. And mm-hmm. in order to get me ch- in my family, everybody gives each other shit. So she mm-hmm. comes by it naturally. But I told the story and <laughs> it's very similar to what you said. She'll run out in the field. We'll be watching her brother play soccer and she'll want me to chase her. She'll run ahead a little bit and she'll turn around and go, Grandpa Poopy Butt. <laughs> and then I go, why you, I oughta, and I chase her. So Grandpa Poopy Pants, I can yeah, well, that. I mean, that's, that's, me. that's, that's what I, that's, I, you know, that's one of the nicknames that I've given. I used to call him the Cheeto Dust Mobster, but he wasn't really good at mob, mob, being a mobster. So I, um, he's been into the QAnon here lately. So I, I changed it to Cheeto Dust QAnoner. Um, but, but the point is, is that, and if you can really capture someone's attention with how you're saying something, right? Right. Uh, and the medium that you're in, whether it's TikTok or your videos on Instagram or YouTube videos or like a two hour daily show like I do or your podcast, whatever it is, right? If you capture their attention, then the second most important thing is what you say. Right. Exactly. How you say it's first and then what you say. And, and that's important to, uh, even for your audience, my audience, when they're out there talking to people, because they got to understand it's if you, if you go look at some of these videos and some of this content from these Trumpers and you look at it, you're like, God damn, these people are fucking nuts. Well, the problem is, is people pay attention to them, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You people know, pay attention to them. I've told people this before, back before all this stuff happened. You know, I had people that love Rush Limbaugh or love what they saw on Fox TV or saw these people that were ranting and raving, Alex Jones and stuff like that. And I'll say to them, you know, having worked in radio as long as I have, you understand this is a fucking show. This isn't even necessarily who they are or what they believe. They're putting on a show to get your attention so they can sell sponsors and make money. It's a fucking show. If you take everything they say to heart, you're fooling yourself. Right. Well, and and to some degree, the left needs their own clown show, like you're saying, right? Which is us? Right. Well, I, I, I am perfectly okay to be considered the radio clown almost on a daily basis. I get some sort of comment like, um, you know, comparing me to Rush Limbaugh, like you're the left's Rush Limbaugh or I've had that uh, too. you're the, you're the answer. You're the answer to, um, you know, uh, unwinding this right Christian, right nationalism, because you're the, you're the anecdote to, to the, the white men out there. Uh, because, Again, it's it, really honestly, they believe what they believe because someone's telling them how they want to hear it. I mean, I'll say the same shit that someone else will say in the opposite direction, but the same goddamn way, you know, and and, and a lot of times it takes a little bit. But I've turned some of our viewers um, that started as hate watchers. They come every day and now they starting to believe the shit I'm saying. Exactly. Right? Well, and that's know- how it works. 
And, and that's exactly the point. You know, somebody like Donald Trump can rile some people up and get them in his corner. I've, I've told right. people this, too. I said, you put me in a room with 100 Republicans, hardcore Republicans. Let me talk for an hour. I bet you I get a large percentage of them siding with me, ultimately. Right. Because people are easily led down certain paths. I mean, the dumb ones, like the Republicans. The Democrats are a little <laughs> little more... Uh, it's a little more difficult with left wing because generally left wing people, liberal people are pretty intellectual, right? They, right, they, right. they like to stay open minded. They like to, um, they like to hear different opinions. Um, they don't want to, you know, stake their entire political existence in one certain spot. It's not because liberal, if you go look up the fucking word, um, it's not what right wingers say it is. Uh, liberalism is not weak. Liberalism, liberalism, small L, is actually uh, strength in democracy. Like that's the whole tenement of what our democracy was founded on was liberalism. It's right. freedom, right? You have the liberty. I say on my show, you um, the freedom to oppress the rights of other people is not liberty. Um, you can't expect someone to have less rights than you and you not have less of those rights as well. Everyone mm -hmm. has to have equality and equity to achieve what liberty we're looking for. And that's a difficult thing. Democracy isn't fucking easy. Democracy's fucking hard. It's difficult. Well, um, yeah, especially since you when you've got people trying to overthrow it. Right. Uh, like right. we do now. Right. Well, and, and that comes down to the messaging and narrative. One good example, Mike, is this documents case. Right. Right. Um, I watched this happen the other day and, and a lot of these legal analysis shit on fucking cable and a lot of these liberals and eh, just they got it all wrong. They, they missed the mark on Merrick Garland assigning the special counsel. Look, there's no better there's no better situation for our narrative for these uh, documents cases than for what has happened with Joe Biden and for Merrick Garland to appoint a special counsel. This is the best thing to undermine their narrative. I don't know if you've been watching, but they've been basically making the case of why Donald Trump needs to go to prison. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. On and Fox they don't News, even know it. And well, right, because they, they think it's within this vacuum of Joe Biden. Now, the problem is that they're going to have is they're going to try to spin their messaging. Um, and it's not going to work. It's at, this is actually going to strip away their entire narrative because what they're missing in the entire grand scheme of things, when they compare these two things, number one, there is no chance, not one that Joe Biden has these documents because he's trying to cover up crimes that he committed because he attempted a coup. Right. Okay, there, there's not a fucking chance in hell. Now, the second, so that's intent, right? Right. And intent matters with these charges that Jack Smith could put on Trump. So right there, we're in two different territories, apples and orange. Definitely orange, mango, Mussolini, Jesus, right? Right. So apples and oranges already. But then you go just a step further into obstruction. And, and obstruction is the key here um, with these documents. 
Joe Biden is and his attorneys, as soon as they found these things, they turned them over immediately. Exactly. They keep yelling and screaming the best the best line that the right keeps saying. And I want them to keep saying it, Mike. I hope they continue to say this stupid shit because it is going to bite them in the ass in about eight or nine months. The right wing keeps saying, when is the FBI going to raid the Biden home? When are they going to raid the Biden? The FBI has already been to the Biden Penn um, uh, Center. Right. The FBI has already been to the Biden House twice. And the reason why is because when they when they notified the Department of Justice that these doc, they, there was classified documents inside this storage, whether it be in boxes or in a stack of other documents. Who in the fuck do you think came and got those things? Yeah. yeah. You, you, do you think Sally from, from, you know, the pen, the pen Biden center just walked them down to the D? No, the FBI went and got those fucking documents. Now, the difference, because these are two separate issues. And this is when you talk to someone about these documents, these are the two points you need to make intent and obstruction. That that is where the criminality happens. Now, we'll see what the intent was of Joe Biden having these documents. We do not have the intent yet, but I guarantee you 100 percent that those documents that Joe Biden had at his office or his previous office and at his home next to his Corvette, I guarantee you not one of them was taken to cover up an attempted violent insurrection on January 6th, 2021. I guarantee it. Let, let me throw out a conspiracy theory that people were throwing at me all yeah. the time. Mm -hmm. And immediately I thought, oh, that's fucking crazy. But as I looked at it more, I still think it's crazy, but it's conceivable. Mm -hmm. Considering who we're dealing with, the childlike behavior, the guy who made his whole career on blackmail, meaning Donald Trump. Now, people will suggest that uh, that uh, these aren't Joe Biden's. Joe Biden didn't put them there. Or nobody with the Joe Biden thing that they were planted by Donald Trump's people. OK, now that sounds crazy because some of these are in his house. How does Donald Trump's people get into his house? Uh, and I, I said to people, I said, look, there's a real good way to figure this out. All you have to do is look at the dates on the uh, documents. If they are all older than 2016, then Joe Biden's people probably put them there. But if they're younger than 2016, Joe Biden would have been a, a, a private citizen. He wouldn't have access to top secret documents. And if they are dated 2017, 2018 or something like that, they would have had to come from the Trump administration because they were the only ones that had access to the documents. But still, the question is, how do they get them into Joe Biden's office? And OK, do you, you want to know how do you want me to tell you just the straight up answer or how they got in stacks of in stacks of stuff of Joe Biden's? Um, I, I, know, I think I know. Let's right. see if we're both on the same okay. track. So, so classified information works different ways for different branches of government. Um, Congress and the Senate, they have um, designated skiffs. So right. they have to actually, members of Congress have to go into a designated area. Now, this skiff is for all members of the House of Representatives, and then the Senate has theirs. Right. The executive branch is completely different. Okay, The executive branch, uh, most of the time, there is skiffs. In in some people's private office, um, we know there's there's skiffs inside the White House. 
there would be skiffs inside wherever the vice president would be to handle this classified information. Um, sometimes th- they have an internal office that is a skiff. All that means is that it's secure enough for them to look at and read and consume um, information that is classified or right. has classified markings. It doesn't really matter which ones. Um, it, now it does as if like how it can get there and that sort of thing and who can see it. But the issue is, is that when he left for vice president, here's what I imagine happened. Um, There's a lot of shit that happens when you're vice president and Barack Obama definitely relied on Joe Biden's uh, his, his experience definitely in foreign policy and national security, because this guy was on the Armed Service Committee of the Senate for many, many years. Um, he knew a lot about foreign policy. That's one reason why he was his vice presidential candidate that ran with him um, is to because Barack Obama didn't have a lot of that foreign policy experience. So he brought that to the table, um, if you remember. Now, when you're talking about classified information, my guess is, is this stuff got packed up? It got put into lockers. It got put into boxes. And here's the thing is there's also custody um, with these documents. So there's chains of custody that can be shown. Now, rather Joe Biden actually um, still has custody or or how the custody was was given, we will see. But my guess is this is just a simple act of people who were packing up his office were packing it up and didn't notice it was unintentional, it was accidental that these documents would work their way into packed boxes. And that's why we're just discovering this right. because these aren't like, this is stuff in your office. I don't know if anyone has an office of a lot of shit in it, but when you pack it up, it might take years for you to get back through of all the paperwork that you may have had that just laying around. Now here's the most important thing again on the obstruction Joe Biden notified NARA and the Department of Justice immediately that when they found these documents, NARA did not know that Joe Biden had these documents. Right. Because the, exactly. these are these are from the Obama administration. Now, if you compare the orange to the apple, right, NARA knew those documents were missing. They knew they had lost chain of custody of the documents that Donald Trump had. That is why they continued to ask him for those documents. And he continued to obstruct and tell them you can't have them, even though they're our documents. The government, us, we're the government. It's we the people. They're our fucking documents. And NARA is the one responsible for archiving them and making sure they are the way they need to be in that archive for us. And they knew they were missing. And the reason why they knew they were missing is because there was no real chain of custody. Right. And that that is going to be the real issue here is did Donald Trump steal in, with intent to take documents without proper custody of classified information? He knows it's wrong. He knows it's illegal. Right now, there is a, a story that I read a while back when this documents case first started and 
because I was trying to figure out, you know, because I've never handled classified information. I probably shouldn't either. No, I don't think either of us should. (laughs) But I read a story of a woman who was at the Pentagon. She worked there for many years. Um, She had a certain clearance. It wasn't a high clearance, but she did have a clearance to look at some class mark classified markings. She went into a bathroom. And there was a folder that had classified markings on the folder that was above her her security clearance. She had to follow immediate protocol because now that that document, because it's found in the bathroom, has lost its chain of custody because now it's in the custody of her where it's not supposed to be. She did interviews for almost six months, Mike, about that document that she found in the bathroom. Right. Just to sniff this out. So it's going to take a while to figure out exactly why Biden had what he had. And I know it's great conspiracy theories to, you know, I don't know, blame this on Trump or some shit. Simple fact is we do not need to blame the Biden documents on Trump. They're going to absolutely undermine and underpin and undo their entire narrative that they built around the Trump documents by themselves over the next six months. And I don't know if Jack Smith will indict on the documents charges. But here's what I do know, Mike, about the special counsel. And everyone remember this as well. You got to keep in the intent and the obstruction when you're talking about these documents. But the most important thing when you're talking about the special counsel is this. Jack Smith was given a special counsel position for the January 6th case and the documents case. Now, if those two things weren't Related, which they are, Mike. Those two things are the same goddamn case you no hide question. and watch. Yeah, no you question. Hide and watch. Now, if if that wasn't the case, why wouldn't Merrick Garland just give Jack Smith the documents case for Biden? He wouldn't because it's a totally separate issue. And and that's really what we're going to see here is that the special counsel not only is going to unwind their narrative and make the country go, well, good God. But when Jack Smith does strike. He doesn't give two shits about what documents Joe Biden had and where he had them. He does not give a fuck about that case. That is not his case. He is not prosecuting that case. He does not give a shit. So let them talk. Let them say whatever they want, because at the end of the day, when Jack Smith brings the evidence in front of the American people, And what they've been talking about the last eight months, nine months is, oh, this is criminal. Joe Biden, he's a criminal. He's a criminal. And Jack Smith presents his case to the American people. They're going to they're going to be in a real tough position to 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 backstep that for Trump. Let me let me throw out a couple of things, too. Let's let's say, for example, this is nefarious and that the Trump people had something to do it. How might they do that? And and how would. Oh, you want to you want to root out the conspiracy theory? And I I don't believe in conspiracy theories, and I think what you explained is probably the correct answer. But mm-hmm. there are some things that make you think. Like for example, how would they get into his house? Well, there's clearly some problems with the Secret Service, and they'd be all over that house and all over any place Biden might go. Uh, and we know that they there's there's a number of them that sympathize with Donald Trump that are were kind of part of or at least supporting the insurrection. I right. mean, if you want to spew a conspiracy theory, that would be the way it would get in. And then secondly, my question is, why does Joe Biden do this now? And why doesn't he seem too worried about it? It's almost like he kind of setting up a trap. 
Now that's that's well, really I mean, out I'm, there. That's really out there, and right. I don't and, necessarily believe it, but I could see how people would think it. Well, and I mean, um, I guess either way, you shake that conspiracy theory, right? Right. Like, rather, it's the fucking Secret Service that plant, which is not the case. Um, I I just don't believe that a Secret Service agent would would number one be be in a in a position to take a piece of classified information that 100% could be tied to Joe Biden and the custody of Joe Biden and get it into his home um and and then and then you get to this point to where i mean really honestly if they plan this all out that you would have to think that they would smoke out you know, what are the after effects, right? Like what? And I know these people Wait a minute. don't. You're talking about the Republicans. They don't. Well, look I know. But, but, but they, that's what I'm saying is if, if I don't, they couldn't even elect a speaker in, in, in less than 14 votes. I don't expect them to get a fucking piece of classified information into but, a former vice president in the current president's house. I don't know. It's just but, me. But, but here's my point is, like I said, the, the dates will tell the story. On, on the documents. Well, yeah, yeah. That, well, I mean, the information. And again, um, there, the reason here's the other thing that makes these two fucking cases absolutely different is Joe Biden the other day when he was talking about this, he read a statement from his attorneys, right? right Joe right. Biden knows this. The less I tell you out loud, the less you know. And what that means is when the facts come out, I, there, there's nothing I have said that can contradict that. Right. right. Trump took the opposite view. The the FBI agent. Dumb that, view. Yeah. Right. Well, because he's a fucking loudmouth fool. He's a buffoon and he thinks he can talk his way out of anything. Now, the 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 search warrant that was that was given by a bench magistrate based on three possible criminal statutes that Donald Trump possibly has broken. Um, over the 18 months that he was obstructing, giving these fucking documents back, um, those FBI agents dressed in street clothes to, to make sure that no one knew the FBI came to Mar-a-Lago to exactly. get that. The only reason why we know any of this, the Biden documents, the Trump documents and the shit we definitely know about the Trump documents that we don't know about the Biden. We're not going to know that shit about the Biden documents maybe ever. And the reason why is because they're going to do the thing that they should do. Shut the fuck up. But Donald Trump can't, and he won't. So that's why they've spun this stupid narrative that has so many lies built into it. Like the president can declassify information. Well, if that's the case and there's no problem with that, then what the fuck stopped Joe Biden from the minute his hand left the Bible that he would declassify with his mind the goddamn <laughs> classified information in the Penn yeah. Biden Center and the shit next to his Corvette. There's nothing stopping Joe Biden based on Republicans' reality, which is not real and not the truth, that the president can declassify documents with his mind. But if that is the case, if that's what you're saying, then what the fuck are you yelling and screaming about? Like, well, exactly. who cares then? Who cares then? And and again, they're trying to make this to where um, they're lessening the blow of the Trump case, and they're trying to make it to where it's untenable for the prosecutors to bring prosecutions for the documents at Mar-a-Lago. But, Mike, again, I say I don't actually believe that Jack Smith's um, main case is the documents. The documents and the obstruction of the documents is the evidence for the coup attempt. Right. Right. Okay, that, that's the biggie. 
that's the fucking biggie that he's going to go for. And I know he's he's brought on different uh, prosecutors onto his special counsel team that's looking into his super PACs and his fundraising. Um, it's always the money that gets these fools, and that's probably what's going to get this idiot. And we're probably going to get a lot of uh, state officials and uh, other officials around the country, state and federal, uh, and people close to Trump in this state elector scheme. But I actually think Donald Trump is um, in big, big trouble with his legal fund. And the reason why is because I think he was harboring documents that proves that he knows he lost. Um, he lost the election. And that's it's going to hurt him bad. And his planning for January 6th, even though he, he knew he lost. All right. We're going to take a break here real quick. I just yeah. want to make a couple quick statements uh, that I thought was funny. You know, they're, as you said, they're going to make these um uh, personal indictments on Joe Biden and what should happen because of the egregious thing he did with the documents, forgetting about what Donald Trump did. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself one day, I go, you know, you got these Republicans, these racist, misogynist motherfuckers. Let's say Joe Biden is a criminal. Let's say he misused these documents. <laughs> Let's kick that motherfucker out. And guess what? Kamala Harris is the president, a black woman. Oh, wait, well, you know Republicans. what? Republicans. Wouldn't that be unfortunate of how our democracy work? <laughs> I mean, they, they really, I, I mean, they're, they're always falling down the shit tree and they hit every branch in sight, right? No I mean, question. No there's question. nothing, there's nothing that these people won't actually make up in their minds that, that suits their confirmation bias, right? And they think we have a big confirmation for, for Biden because we're excusing him here. But again, there is two key points to the documents that is that makes Trump's case even the sniff of criminality is the intent and the obstruction. That is the that's the whole reason why the the federal judge issued a search warrant for the FBI to go search the the residence and or the residential part of Mar-a-Lago. Um that day and that is where we're at there is no reason to raid joe biden's home because the fbi already went there and retrieved the documents right. nara nara went with them i think and again we're not going to know all this i mean we're not going to know all this for sure and like all the facts and you know rather there was closed circuit television and rather they told them to turn it off in the biden case because they're not going to say that shit they're not going to say that stuff out loud Exactly. Exactly. I tell you what, let's take a quick break. Yep. We'll continue mm -hmm. on this conversation. I want to talk about the house a little bit and some of the shit they're doing. Sure. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, Tony, we are back on the Rational Boomer podcast. And I want to talk to you about the House of Representatives. You brought it up earlier, but I know a lot of people that are listening to the show probably want to know how they can get to your podcast. And uh, so why don't you tell them what they need to do to find it? I would recommend it highly. So yeah, Let you can know. just um, you can go to the Google machine and just Google uh, the Tony Michaels podcast. You can find it on all the directories, Apple, Spotify, Google. Just type in the Tony Michaels podcast. Um, YouTube, we, we air every single weekday, Monday through Friday, noon Eastern, 11 Central, 9 Pacific for, Pacific for two full hours live. So I do two hours live every single weekday. Um, and again, you can watch on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, the Tony Michaels podcast. You can go to Twitch, Twitter. Uh, Facebook, um, and really you can find all those links at thetonymichaels.com. That's thetonymichaels.com. You can find the links for all the stuff. 
You know, so, some people have su- suggested to me that I should uh, do the podcast like I do the podcast, but do video of it and put it on, on mm-hmm. YouTube. And for the life of me, I can't understand why somebody would have to look at my face while I'm talking. <laughs> but, you know, I'll fucking try anything. I'm Well, I'll tell you, the, the one reason why we do the um the video podcast is because, you know, you're from you're from the radio world. So the old days, they'd have sound bites. Now right. we have clips. So right. I show the I show the clips of the stuff that, um, you know, I, I want to show how to rebut their messaging um, and how to form a national narrative around one unified pro-democracy coalition. And uh, so I play those clips and give you the the insight. Um, so that's one reason so we can so everyone can see the clips. But I mean, you know, you can listen to I get a lot of people like to listen on the podcast directories but we do have thousands that show up live every day uh on youtube twitter twitch facebook well i'll see i'll see tommy uh tony this is the big difference between you and me you uh doing a two-hour show every day Mm -hmm. and doing it live and doing clips and doing that's a lot Mm -hmm. of fucking work yeah well even if you listen to my show you know i'm averse to doing work. <laughs> I sit down and I fucking talk or talk to somebody else. And that's what I do. So I give you credit for putting all the time and effort in. I did that stuff when I was younger. I don't feel like doing it now. <laughs> I, I, I try to lead a simple life and uh, this affords me the possibility of doing a simple life, but I'm going to try the uh, YouTube thing. My TikToks are out there and, and you know, fuck I'll, yeah. I'll record a video. If somebody wants a fucking video. Sure. Well, you know, just uh, YouTube, and eh, sometimes they don't like the shit I say, but yeah, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, fuck no, them. no, shit. fuck them. You brought up you brought up the House of Representatives, and, yeah. and, and I have a theory I want to bounce off you and sure you think about it. Um, well, first of all, the Republicans have been on a roll of embarrassing themselves. They embarrass themselves in the midterms. They embarrass themselves uh, from uh, trying to elect a Speaker of the House after. 15 tries they finally get him and at that they had to jerry-rig the system to get the fucker done and bring in some fraud to come in and place the final vote so he could actually get elected but when i look at the house of representatives right now you've got the weakest speaker of the house probably in history you've got a republican party that's divided in the house of representatives this may be the weakest contingent in the house of representatives because of that division my theory is that the Republicans probably would have been better off had they lost the House by a slim margin than by winning the House by a slim margin, mainly because when it comes down to 2024, the Democrats are going to be screaming, say, saying, see, they did nothing. They couldn't do anything, and it's going to work against them. At least they would have a chance to bitch about something and that's all republicans typically do bitch about whatever the democrats do but now they can't even do that they're 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 on the hook for everything that happens in the house even though they have no power well i mean obstruction and hypocrisy are features of their party not exactly benefit but not exactly benefits those are features um and that's that's what's causing all their heartache here is their their obstruction and their their hypocrisy because you, you can't govern from that angle right like when you're in the minority and you're the the minority party battling a majority you can obstruct Right. That's that's what you can do. You can obstruct. That's one of your tools in your belt. 
The problem is that's the only thing Republicans know how to do in government is obstruct. They're the party of no. No, you can't marry who you want. No, you can't have, you know, health care. No, you can't. You can't have bodily autonomy. Nope, we don't want you to have uh, affordable education. Definitely not that. We don't want you to have an affordable wage. Nope, can't do that. Nope. We're going to we're going to definitely tax you and not the rich people. That's for sure. I mean, they're the party of no. Now, in their first breath, I believe that their 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 first attempt at governing was to fire 87,000 IRS agents that didn't exist. I mean, and and they cheered themselves. They were like, "Yay, we did it. We we did something that's not existent." Cuz what they did during 2022 is they again, they developed this entire national narrative, this messaging that there was going to be 87 scary agents that were going to come to your door and with a gun and a badge and force you to pay taxes. And that just wasn't fucking true. So they had to make good on their promise of getting rid of something that isn't true. And so they had to play the theatrics, right? Well, the problem is, is it doesn't really do anything. It doesn't really affect anybody. Now, I know what you're going to get to here, because here's the thing is they have a a Democratic Senate by 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 more than just a tiebreaker in Kamala Harris. They have a Democratic president, so they're not going to get any of this stupid shit passed like any of the shit they're talking about. They're not going to now they're going to have plenty of committees that they're going to yell and scream about a bunch of stupid shit, a bunch of shit that's not real. And it's going to look really bad for them when they can't bring any kind of real substantive evidence to the table that would back up any argument that they talk about, whether it's Anthony Fauci or Hunter Biden's dick pics or, or, or Joe Biden and these documents, who the fuck knows what they're going to yell and scream about. But here's the thing. Chuck Schumer for the next nine months is going to be working on one thing, Mike, and one thing only. Can he possibly put together enough Republicans that will agree that we need a continuing resolution to keep our government open. That is the one thing that Chuck Schumer is going to work on the next nine months. That is the only thing, the only thing that Republicans will talk about, that Democrats will even have any interest in communicating and actually coming to a compromise. Now, this is a tricky thing because Republicans are going to shut down the government. Here's my guess. If Kevin McCarthy makes a deal for a continuing resolution to keep the government open before it closes, I know where you're going with this too. <laughs> they're going to they're going to chop his head off and they're going to blame it on him. Okay? Now that is one possibility that the Republicans use Kevin McCarthy to get a deal to keep the government open so they're not blamed and then get rid of him and blame him for not shutting the government down. Okay. So that is one possibility. And we know, we know, we know that he, he negotiated away motion to vacate. Only one person has to step up and say, I want to vote a no confidence. And so what you're saying is he'll make a deal because the Republicans are going to suffer just as much as the Democrats if they shut it down. But you're saying He's going to let him cut a deal. Then they'll do the vote of no confidence and say, see, that fucker screwed us. Right. And they can still maintain face in the whole that's, situation. That's the best situation for our country, because, number one, it shows 
that Kevin McCarthy only wanted one thing. He only wanted to have the title of speaker and uh, nothing else, n- n- nothing more, nothing less. He gave away his entire speech. He's not really even the speaker, to be quite honest. With no, you. not really. No. I mean, my question, my, one of the questions I wanted to ask you then. So you think you think the whole idea of of the threat to shut down the government is is quite kind of performative, something that they're trying to lead the narrative with so they can show that they have some power. And when they lose it at the last minute, they need a, a, a somebody to blame it on. And, and Kevin McCarthy will be that person. Well, there's a couple dozen stupid bastards in Congress, the same stupid bastards that absolutely kneecapped his speakership that absolutely want to shut down the government. They want to shut it down because they actually truly believe that they're special and that they can blame it on Biden and the country will believe it and he'll lose in 24 because of it. Now, most members of Congress realize that that is a really boneheaded plan. Right. It's almost as boneheaded as nominating Oz and Herschel Walker and Blake Masters and Carrie Lake and Doug Mastriano and these other America first Nazis in these where they lost. So it's almost as boneheaded as that, because here's the thing. America always blames the people who shut down government. And let me tell you something. When we get to September, that freedom freedom caucus is going to be yelling and screaming, shut it down, shut it down, shut it down, shut it down. It's Joe Biden's fault. It's Joe Biden's fault. Shut down the government. You know, they're going to just say all kinds of crazy ass shit. And Kevin McCarthy will not be able to hold his caucus together. Now, rather, he'll make a deal with the Democrats and a certain set of Republicans and Chuck Schumer and the president to keep the fucking government open. He gets blamed and then he loses his speakership over. We'll see. Here's the other scenario that I see happening because I I only see one or two scenarios politically happening here because this is all about fucking politics and it's all about national narrative, to be quite honest with you. If enough people are mad in America about them shutting down the government and they feel it, the politicians, that is, he'll make the fucking deal. Now, if there's not, what he'll do is he'll save his speakership and he'll do what he's doing now and genuflect to fucking fraud and and the America first Nazi party and let them control his speakership. And I believe, Mike, I know this sounds crazy. I think if that's what he does, if he placates to these idiots like he did during his speaker vote and he gave away his entire speakership, if he does that, I think we're headed for a government shutdown of eight or nine months. I really, truly believe that it'll it'll, it'll shut down for a long time um, and it won't reopen until it's absolutely they absolutely are. They know for sure they're going to get blamed. They know they're going to lose. They'll go to the end of the earth for their their fucking delusion and their stupidity, just like they were during the speaker vote. They made big mistakes. There's a, there's a few things that could happen with that though. As much as you've got this MAGA group, it is a a minority of the Republicans that, I mean, there's enough Republicans that have common sense. That yeah, would, but you got to you got to remember how Kevin McCarthy gets gets bills to the floor. Okay, so that is the most important thing. That's why when they um when they were doing deals for the rules. 
you know, they were talking about on the House floor. It was all about them and all about their power, not about the American people when they were making their arguments, because they wanted the power to make sure they can shut down the government in September. That is what they wanted. This is what the Freedom Caucus wants. They want their cock committees. And what I mean by that is to go through Hunter Biden's laptop and find all the dick pics they can find. Yeah. And they want their fraud investigations in Congress, just absolute scam investigation, just kangaroo courts. That's what they want. And they want to shut down the government in September to blame it on Biden. That is what they want. So Kevin McCarthy, even if, even if Kevin McCarthy can get some sort of deal, he has to get that package through the rules committee to get it to the floor. Right. They control the rules. They control the rules committee. It is going to be, I'm telling you, I hope that he tricks them, which again, I don't know how smart Kevin McCarthy is. He's kind of a fucking bonehead, but maybe Chuck Schumer and the Democrats can guide him into making sure that he can get a bill to the floor that the Democrats will vote. Schumer will agree to uh, he's got enough. He's got enough people in the Senate to agree to keep the government open and the president will sign the damn thing Um, because that's what we need. We just we just need that CR and it's going to be an omnibus bill is what it's going to be. They're going to kick the can and they're going to kick it into 2024, which if they kick it into 2024, the Republicans won't have any choice but to keep the government open at that point. I mean, there'll be an election cycle. There's no way they'll close the. There's no way they'll close the government during an election cycle. That's why I say, if you think about the timing of this, in September when the government will shut down, if they do shut it down, they will shut it down for possibly eight or nine months because that's how long it'll take to get into their cycle because they'll want to run primaries on Joe Biden's destroying government, and that's why we have to keep it shut down. And 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 until they really win their primaries out, and they start going against um, a Democratic challenger in the general election, that's when it'll be untenable uh, to keep the government shut down because then the Democrat will be battering them with and, and blaming them for the shutdown. And they definitely will take blame for it. The American people, 100%, doesn't matter what time period you talk about. When the government gets shut down, they get blamed every Absolutely. fucking time. Absolutely. And and if they shut the, the country down, they'll they'll – They'll get wiped out in 2024. And I think the reasonably minded Republicans will know that. But let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Let's say Jack Smith does his job. Okay. And we know a lot of these Freedom Caucus motherfuckers could be on the hook for an indictment for whatever connection they had into the uh, insurrection. What happens if some of these fucks get indicted? That kind of throws a, a whole uh, wrench into the whole situation, I would think. I'll give you one name. One name only that you need to remember here through this whole process. And he's not he's not a standout Republican. This he he just I'll explain it to you. His name is George Santos, if that is his fucking name. <laughs> yeah, now, exactly. This guy is not going to resign. I don't want him to resign, to be quite frank with you. Neither I, do I. I. I want the son of a bitch to stick in there because he is one of the best Republicans I have ever seen. He is one of the best liars. Most Republicans out there, they'll pick three or four. Three or four lies to tell at a time, right? Some of them, you know, Jim Jordan, that scumbag, Matt Gatt, some of these other, like Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene, they'll get up to 12, 15. This motherfucker, he is like, I don't care which lie it is. I want all of them. I'm going to tell every goddamn lie I possibly can. He is the best Republican of them all. 
I mean, if you're counting by lies, I mean, that's how they count, right? I mean, right, Jesus right. Christ. But he's not going to resign. If these Congress people get indicted, they are not going to resign. That's why they that's why they battered up the ethics committee. They they did this by design. This is all by design to take away Kevin McCarthy's speakership. I mean, they'd have to actually work their way through ethics committees if they won't resign, because you do not have to resign because you're federally indicted on criminal charges as Congress. Jesus Christ, you can be a fucking felon. Yeah. And you can run for it. you can be. I mean, there are felons, members of Congress, but you you I would not expect. What you're saying is if they if members of Congress get indicted on federal charges, I would not expect that they would resign. I, I just I just don't see it. Um, and I, I don't see that they back out of the races either. I think they lean into it. You got to remember who would get indicted. It ain't like moderate Republicans who are sick of fucking tired of hearing Trump and sick of tired of the Freedom Caucus controlling the the absolute craziness in their caucus. It is the crazies of the crazies that are going to, if if it's going to be indictments, it's, it's Scott Perry, Matt Gatz, Jim Jordan, some of these other fucking shit by Andy Biggs, uh, Chip Roy, some of these other shit boxes that had to do with the insurrection. They're not going to resign. Why would they? Yeah. I don't, I don't see that happening. I don't see that as a case. Could they get thrown out though with the 14th amendment? Well, I mean, that would require that would require um, a court acting and it would take a long time. Now, also, it would it, the easiest way to the easiest way to shuffle a member of Congress out is either get them to resign or get them in an ethics position where you can vo- vote to expel them. Um, yeah. A lot of members of Congress, though, won't go through the ethics process if they know they're going to be voted to, uh, for expulsion just because they don't want it out there. And that's the whole point of the ethics committee is to keep it hush hush and to keep it quiet. But they basically battered up the ethics committee. I mean, that's the deal that Kevin McCarthy made with George Santos right. is, Hey buddy, vote for me and keep voting for me. And I'll make sure you're a member of Congress. Don't worry. There is one uh, prediction I have that I feel pretty strong about. Mm-hmm. When this is all said and done, there will be a movie about George Santos. Leonardo DiCaprio will play him, and it will be Catch Me If You Can fucking too. <laughs> it's basically the same shit. Oh, this guy. I tell you what, um, you know, uh, these Republicans don't surprise me. Like when they tell a lie. Are they say some shit? You're like, what in the fuck are you talking about, friend? Like the 87,000 IRS agents when that was the first thing that came out of Kevin McCarthy's mouth. It was laughable. Right. But I mean, this George Santos, he he puts a new level, a new level in the Republican Party. And they have a new bar to reach here. Um, And it's funny to watch them look at him and go, oh, God, that's not working out well. And some are like, he needs to resign. And then some are like, well, why would he resign? He's one of us. I mean, it's just, it's a weird time that we live in. It's so fucking weird. Any any other old time, there would be members of Congress threatening to resign their seats if he didn't resign and forcing leadership to pull him into an ethics committee. And basically tell him, hey, we're going to expose all this shit. You're fucked or or you need to resign and it would force him. I mean, the guy's staring down who knows how many criminal indictments, whether it be state, federal or goddamn foreign ones. Um, You know, I would imagine that the DOJ, if there is federal crimes that this guy's committed, DOJ is probably going to prosecute him first. Uh, A lot of people think he's going to get extradited to Brazil, but 
<clears throat> that's not going to happen anytime soon, especially if he doesn't um, if he doesn't resign his seat of Congress. There's no fucking way our government is going to extradite a mem- a sitting member of Congress. No fucking way. No way. I would I would I would bet they would prosecute a president before they would do that. No fucking way are they going to make well, it a situation where they can. Here, here's the here's the thing, though, with 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 the president being indicted and, you know, all these all these norms that uh, people have followed for decades and decades. Well, Donald Trump went into the presidential office. There were these norms that he should follow. And people were concerned about the ramifications if you go beyond those norms. Well, Donald Trump went over all those or- norms and there were no ramifications at that point. Uh, it showed that our government and our rules and the norms that they have have no fucking teeth. Anybody can do whatever the fuck they want. So given that, given how different that was, I'm hoping against hope that while that was out of line and crazy, because everything now that's going on is crazy, things we've never seen before. I mean, all politicians lie, but we've never seen the stupid lies we're seeing now. So I'm I'm, I'm hoping that for desperate, desperate times uh, require desperate measures. There are some things that we would never think w- would happen, you know, based on history. But what we're seeing now is totally different than history. They may jump over some of the norms that that you would think would be in line, like dealing with a member of Congress, especially somebody like George Santos or, you know, indicting the president. They're going to be doing a lot of things that they never would have thought they would have done because they have to at this point. Well, I think if we expect that um, 2016 was crazy, yeah, 2020 was even crazier, that 2024 is not going to be a new peak of crazy then um, we're fooling ourselves. Uh, The only thing that we have to be aware of is that there is a coalition of people out there that do want to protect our democracy. They believe in the tenements of democracy. They believe in small L liberalism. And it's not just Democrats. There's, there's moderates. There's, there's former Republicans. um, There, there's, there's people who are not party affiliated. They, They believe in this democracy to some extent, but again, We just have to make sure that our messaging is on key and it it is actually it it is amplified in every corner that we possibly can get it, Um, because that is what's going to happen. If if they do shut down the government, it is up to us as a country to blame the correct people and make sure the entire country blames the correct people. Be loud enough about it. Right. And and punishes. That's right. And punishes them accordingly. That is how this works. You know, I get this a lot. They need to have term limits. They fucking do have term limits. Every two years, we get to term them out if we want. We can fire them. We can say, fuck you. You don't get to work for us anymore. You suck at this. And you can find someone else. Now, someone has to step up to the plate, but which sometimes is the challenge in our democracy. But they have term limits. And it's up to us. It is up to us to yell and scream, to have strategic outrage, and to continue this. Because we can't let down just because we won the Senate, we have the presidency. Oh, they can't pass anything. And, you know, you know, blah, 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 yankety schmackety. Right? And, and and the four the four key races, well, it's eight races, but four key um, ballots that we won in, uh, in the last midterm that is more important than the Senate is uh, Pennsylvania, 
yeah. Michigan, Arizona, and Wisconsin. Um, those those four states were very important and very crucial to the safety net of our democracy. But we can't let up there. We can't say that that's a win and we can walk away. We have to keep fighting them. We have to keep battling them. If you actually believe that these that these America first Nazis are are not going to be resilient and and keep coming back and back and back and back, they're going to. They are not going to stop. It is going to take a long time for us to work us our way into a situation where the far right in this country finally crawls back underneath their rocks when they when they tap out and give up because democracy is one but it's up to you it's up to the audience and you know we can yell and scream all day long and give you a way to to frame this narrative and give you the national messaging and trumpet it like i do every single day on my show for two full hours but um unless we do it as one country and one coalition against the this insurgency in our country um you know we're still in trouble so we got to look look forward to that but it sounds like we also have to point that narrative at the right people. That's right. We know the millennials and the Gen Zs came out in force in 2022, Mm -hmm. and they were a big reason why the Republicans were. And there'll be a bigger force in 24, I think. 24. And, and I've heard, I don't, I can't remember where I heard this, but it sounded like a solid fact. And it makes some sense that by 2028, the majority of the voters will be millennials and Gen Zs. Uh, You know, boomers are dying 5,000 a day. And fortunately, I wasn't in that 5,000 today. But, but you know, that that transition of the voting block and, and, and the demographics that are going to be controlling this country are shifting very quickly now. And that that frankly means the end of the Republican Party because the Gen Zs and the millennials won't vote for the bullshit. Right. Well, I think the other thing that the right wing is um, really doing incorrectly politically in their national messaging. And it's really, it it hurt them in 2022. It's probably going to hurt them way more in 2024. And we have to keep going with it. We have to keep mocking them at every turn when they do this, this woke shit. When they keep saying wokeness and woke, and they're going to destroy woke and all this shit, they actually think that Gen Z is a bunch of kumbaya motherfuckers that want to sit around holding hands and they're a bunch of hippies. That is not that generation. And the millennials definitely are not a bunch of fucking hippies. I don't understand why they believe that that young generations are all the same and they can put them all in one box. They're really totally underestimating. And that's why I'm really excited about Gen Z is because Gen Z's understanding of our democracy is better than it, than any generation for almost 50 years. Um they just understand our democracy fundamentally better than any other than my generation, which is millennials. Millennials, <laughs> they totally failed at understanding how democracy works. But but Gen Z understands it. And I think one reason why they do, Mike, is because they've never been in a world without social media. Exactly. Yeah. So they they understand it. They know they know what kind of animal it is. They 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 don't. They don't, they're not scared of it. They don't see it as this big monster that's destroying the world because there's never been a world without it to them. So, um, because of that, they fundamentally understand exactly how the gears of our democracy turn. And I think that is super important as they come up, as you say, you know, the demographic shift. But more importantly, more importantly, I think is that Gen Z 
is the driver of national messaging. And instead of them picking out one one issue like uh, student loans or something like that, uh, health care or, or minimum wage or whatever the one issue would be to their generation, they really did pick democracy as a whole. Because I think that generation understands that, hey, just what I said earlier, there's elections and there's government and politics. And if you don't win elections, you don't get to govern. So if you want to have those policies in place, you have to put people who can govern in those positions to get those policies. And the only way to do that is to win elections. And I think Gen Z is understand, look, seeing the writing on the wall here that uh, if they don't do something, all these old white people will be dead and will be fucked. So they're, 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 they have enough common sense to look ahead, look down the road a little bit to see what they might be left with. And they're getting tired of old white people fucking things up for them. Well, I mean, the, the problem is, is that the generation X in this country, if we're, if we're going to break it down by generation, generation, which is generation, you, right? You're no, no, I, I'm, I'm a very old millennial. I'm okay. the oldest of millennials. So I, I'm still a millennial. And I still fall in the category because I, you know, they want to put years on the generations. Um, and then some people want to say, oh, it's your attributes, right? That make you a certain generation, but it really is just the year. It's just the year that makes you a certain generation. Whether you follow those attributes for that generation or not, you're still that generation, right? But generation X, um, the generation after the boomers is really the ones, um, that are causing a lot of heartache in the country. And uh, they were given a lot. They were given good economies. They were, uh, they had low, low thresholds, uh, financially for college and for degrees, uh, for careers. Uh, they were handed a lot of some bad economies, but a lot of good economies throughout their adulthood. And, um, they've, they're mad. They're really fucking mad, especially the white Gen Xers. Um, I, I, I actually don't believe that baby boomers, um, are the biggest issue in this country. You know, they, they want to blame old people for <laughs> conservative values and stuff, but we're not talking about conservatives here, right? This is not about conservative or liberal. This is about fascism. This is about telling other people what the fuck they're going to do and what the fuck they're not going to do. Uh, and, and telling you who you can love, who you can marry what you can do with your body. And Gen, Gen X really lost their way in this, in this white Christian nationalism. Um, they really did get focused on that. And I believe that's why Gen Z is paying attention. Because a lot of Gen Z, their parents are Generation X. A lot of them. And they see what that generation is doing as a whole. And I, you know... Whether that generation comes around or not, and what I mean by that come around, is finally realize that some of the shit they've been believing is just absolutely mired in delusion. You know, it's just not true. It's not even close to the truth. Get off Facebook, Earl. You know, just get off Facebook for crying out loud. The funny thing is, as fast as the boomers are dying off, there's still a lot of boomers out there. And, and, you know, one of the things that I'm a young boomer. I was born in 60. It goes to 64. Mm -hmm. So I'm on the young end. But when I go back and talk to people I went to high school with, I grew up in South Minneapolis, kind of an urban situation. I'm amazed 
how many dumb fuck boomers there are. I, I truly am. You know, there are a lot, a lot of people I grew up with that are Trumplifucks. And I say, dude, you, you grew up in the same place I grew up. You went to the same school I went to. Your parents weren't that much different than my parents. Where did you go off track? How did you fucking do this? Well, it doesn't it doesn't take long for your confirmation bias to develop a delusion. I mean, yeah. it really doesn't. It it only takes one or two times for you to and and really the the issue is now is that they don't want to be wrong, right? Yeah. That, like that we're in a situation a now where where they don't want to be wrong. <laughs> it's it's we got to stick by this buffoon no matter what because we can't we can't be wrong that he was our savior and he was going to save our country and right. stop the blood sucking cabals or whatever the fuck they believe. Like whatever the QAnon stuff is that they've you know read on Facebook that they think is you know the reason why they wanted Donald Trump. They they don't want to be wrong now. I mean that's the problem. That is the problem. And I, you know, I've told, I've told one of the things I've learned in my 62 years, the one of the most valuable, uh, life skills you can have that will help you to achieve the success you want, success you want. I said excess. That's a little Freudian, but essentially the same thing could be the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, the one life skill is be able to recognize when you're wrong acknowledge that you're wrong and then do something about it. Learn from that and just keep moving forward. Most of these people like these Trump and some of these other folks, Gen X or whatever, they refuse to admit they're wrong. And then they fall off a fucking cliff because they always fail. If they keep going down the road, that's wrong. If you can realize and recognize that you're wrong and then adjust for it, You've got a better chance of being successful. But so many people, I, I meet them all day, every day. They will not admit they're wrong, even if you show them a videotape of them being wrong. They <laughs> right. just won't do it. Well, I mean, I mean that's and, and that's the the ultimate American way, right? Like, again, you're not going to tell an American what the fuck to do. We all went through this through the pandemic, you know, and uh, no matter what we did to try to make people understand, hey, you should put a mask on so you don't get fucking people sick. They still like, ah, fuck that. I'm an American. Like, yeah, but are you know, are you if you're not really looking out for your federal, uh, your your fellow countrymen? I mean, are you really that patriotic? So, I, so I mean, you know, this is deep down inside of our white blood because it is as a white institution. That's that's what we're still dealing with is that these people are absolutely sure that if they don't have their privilege, if people are given equality and equity in this country, that somehow they're going to lose something. And they absolutely will not admit that they're wrong just to save face for that, for that reason alone is that if someone else is getting something, I'm losing something, right? right. Because they've been told this over and over and over again. And it's the affiliation problem. Their daddy's daddy voted Republican. So they're going to vote Republican. Too. And, you know, the other thing, Mike, is they mortgage their house to give all their fucking money to Donald Trump. And they got all the hats. They got the shirts. They got the flags. They've got all the bumper stickers. They got all the bullshit. How can they back out now? You know, yeah. it, it is truly amazing when I run into run into people. I've got this Trump humper that's on my Facebook page. I had him on the show one time. Not a very bright guy, which would me would explain why he's a Trump bumper. But he was going to give me what for, you know. And I oh, told, I'm sure he did an excellent job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't go well for him. And then I didn't hear from him for a long time. And then I 
talked about something about the documents case. And then, of course, he, he put on a link to Joe Biden's. You better talk about this on the podcast. And I said, wow, look at you, Brian. You're getting a little fucking brave. I tell you what. <laughs> I can hook you up right now. Let's come on the podcast and uh, uh, and you can explain to me about Joe Biden's uh, documents. Problem. I'm I'm sure he did it. Really oh, he well. was busy. He was busy. That he was. Oh, busy. I'm sure yeah. he's going to get back to me next week, mm-hmm. and I'm sure we'll have mm-hmm. him. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm it's sure. A, it's it's absolutely. Uh, <laughs> You know, and and that's the thing is we've always known that that the politicians have been liars, but it's gotten to a ridiculous point. You know, people used to say when Donald Trump was in office that uh, that 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 movie, what is that? Um, what was that? Remember that political movie? Um, God damn it! They had the uh, guy that looked like a wrestler that was the president. God, what was that called? Why can't I think of that? The re- oh, oh, uh, your idiocracy. Idiocracy, right? And people said we're living idiocracy, but it gets so much dumber. It's all almost really like that. I mean, it, the crazy shit. We even got Republicans <laughs> calling out other Republicans for the crazy shit. Lauren Boebert is calling out Marjorie Taylor Greene about Jewish space lasers, for Christ's sake. They can't even get along with each other. Well, I, I mean, but this is um, th- this is very um, typical in the cycle of right wing because right wingers don't really like each other. And they're really they're all operating and trying to, you know, get the same turf in the same space. So generally they end up breaking up in the groups and end up hating each other. These right wing groups. Most of the time, these right wing groups hate each other more than they hate leftists. Like the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers, they were almost mortal enemies um, before the January 6th insurrection. A lot Who's of more manly? <laughs> well, right. Well, I mean, right. Right. Well, I mean, who would be the better general when the coup attempt happened? Right. Exactly. Would it be, who exactly. would be the better army? Would it be the Brow Boys or the Oath Keepers? Right. I mean, this is really stupid stuff that these these fucking idiots who think they're alpha males and think they're real tough guys that, that this is the shit that they do. Right. They're always dick measuring contest shit. And that's not what it's about. That's not what it's ever been about. Eh, but a lot of white dudes out there think that's what it is. So that's what they do. They have dick measuring contest all day long. And they, they think that's what's going to advance their prerogative. But again, it comes down to that white privilege of theirs. And if someone else is getting something, I'm losing something. And I don't want to lose anything, which is completely untrue. It's completely disconnected from reality that, if other people receive equity, then you lose your equity. It's really fucking dumb. But well, you know. well I always make the argument about the uh, student loan thing, the, the forgiveness thing. And they all say, well, I paid my student loans. Yeah, you motherfuckers didn't go to college. But but they'll say that. Why can't these kids pay their student loans? Well, they're paying a higher percentage of their income for these outrageous student loans. But I, I try to explain it to my to the dumbest of the people I talk to. I say, look, you're. In your 60s, you got a house that's paid for. That's part of your retirement. You're going to live off what you get in that house. You're going to move into a condo like I did, and you're going to take the money from the house, and you're going to live off some of that money. You're counting on it. You want a big payday for your house. The unfortunate thing is when you're ready to sell your house, the people that are going to be in a time frame that would want to buy your house will be millennials and Gen Zs. And if they can't either qualify for your loan or 
afford to buy your house, then guess what? Your fucking house is about half the value it is now. So think beyond the end of your nose. You can't look at what do I get? How does it affect me? You got to look at the big picture because you might end up getting fucked in the long run. Well, and I mean, the one argument for student loans to make to somebody is to look at them and say, do you know how much student loan debt we have in this country? It's almost it's like three trillion dollars. Do you know how much money three trillion dollars pumped into the economy over the next 20 years is? It's a lot of fucking money and consumer spending over the next 20 years. So if you're unaware of how it'll affect the economy when three trillion dollars over the next 20 years, really 10, but just say 20 will be pumped into the economy. If you can't understand how that's going to be good for every single American, you're a fucking bonehead. I don't know what else I can describe to you and how I can say it better is that look, and, and most of that fucking 3 trillion, the majority of that 3 trillion isn't principal, it's interest. And a right. lot of people don't understand that either is most of the, the forgiveness that's going to happen is interest payments that these motherfuckers have already made on their student loans. So get over it. Get over it. Suck it up. Stop trying to take away people's opportunity to fucking get a leg up in this country and make something of themselves and live the American dream. I thought that's what this shit was about. And I, I, I guess um, as we leave it there, that's, you know, that's the thing that everyone has to consider is what is the good for everyone? Equality, equity, democracy, because, again, I say liberalism is not the standpoint of weakness. It is the standpoint of strength. Because democracy is, it's hard. It's, democracy is fucking difficult. Governing people is difficult. Autocracy, Mike, is easy. When you look at one person and look to one person to say, what should I do? Who should I be? And how should I be it? And that person tells you, and you just be that thing. Well, that doesn't sound like fucking strength to me. That sounds like fucking weakness. It does. It does. And we're, we're going to wrap things up here. We're, we're about at that point. I just want to say, say, uh, um, Something about about the the loan thing. You you talked about three trillion, and of course, all that three trillion that they're going to save is going to be respent in the economy. Like you said, it's going to buoy the the economy. Um, it is just about selfishness and hate, and and what I've said about the Republicans for so long is everything about them is about fear. And if you go into anything in a fearful state, you're going to fucking fail. And they don't even grasp that. They are the party of no. They certainly are. They're the party of no because they're scared and fearful of actually having ideas and ideas that would be popular. Like, I don't know, letting people love who they want to love, having a decent fucking wage, kids starting at school at the age of three instead of five, people not going fucking broke because of a medical bill. Ideas like that scare the ever-loving shit out of them because they'd actually have to work and govern and actually come up with a policy that goes against their white privilege and their white Christian nationalism to do it. So Absolutely. there's a party of no. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're tired of these motherfuckers. Let's That's get right. them gone. Tony, tell us again how people can uh, find your uh, your podcast. They'll no doubt want to check in with you since you're there every goddamn day working two hours. I don't know how you do it, man. I do an hour and I'm winded. Every, every day, noon Eastern, 11 Central, 9 Pacific on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Just type in the Tony Michaels podcast or you can find us on all the directories. Apple, Spotify, Google, the Tony Michaels podcast. You can go to the Tony Michaels.com. That's the Tony Michaels.com. You can find all the links there. We do a show every single 
weekday, Monday through Friday, two full hours. So come and watch us. You can watch us live, again, on YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch, or Facebook, or you can watch the replay on YouTube. So go subscribe to YouTube and go subscribe to the podcast directories. Um, you can listen there as well if you prefer to listen than watch. And I, will I tell appreciate you, that, you having me on, Mike. No, no, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's like a fucking day off for me uh, because you can talk <laughs> as much as I can talk. But but I, I just want to give you give you a heads up. You're working hard. You're doing all this stuff. You're putting a lot of time and effort, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that. But do that now because once you hit 50, there's a lot of sh- there's a lot of shit that starts happening and a lot of shit that stops heading, happening. And I'm not even going to tell you because it's just a great surprise. Yeah. Well, I hope, you know, I hope that um, maybe by 50, I'll, I'll still be doing this. I don't, I don't know. And like I said, yesterday marked uh, two years anniversary or Saturday, Saturday, January 14th, marked two years worth of, uh, of Tony Michaels podcast. Um, and we're going to keep chugging along for, Two more and two more after that and two more after that. Just two years of Tony until maybe we get to 20 years or 30 years or 40 years. Hell, I don't know how long I'll do this. As long as there's a microphone and I can yell and scream into it, I'll probably do that. So Same, same goes for me, but I've got a, a more limited uh, lifespan at this point. How old are, how old are you, Tony? Um, I'm going to be 38 here soon. <laughs> Give me an idea how it compares to me. Uh, in October, I'll be married 40, 40 years. So, I see. I see. Well, I, I, I've been married for 17 years. Yeah, but I've been um, married for longer than you've been alive. Well, for that's true. Well, and, and so I, I've been married for quite a long time. I, I Maybe I feel a little older than I am. But, you know, if I'm 50 and I'm still doing the show, that means I was doing it for 14 years. That just doesn't seem like enough. So maybe I'll... They want we'll to at least go to 60. I don't know. But I, like I said, as long as someone turns on a, a microphone and lets me yell and scream into it, I'm, I'll probably be doing that. So it, it um, is a great pleasure to have you on my show. Yes, and, and I'll absolutely. tell you, and I'll tell you why I have a son that's 35 years old. So mm-hmm. he's in your age range to get him to listen to the show is, is almost impossible. In fact, some of his friends listen to the show. And there was one show that they particularly like, and they sent the link out to all their friends. These are all kids, you mm-hmm. know, hung out at my house. I bought them pizzas and stuff. They slept over and all this stuff. And it, the link was sent to my son. He goes, this is your dad. You got to fucking listen to this. So I said to him, I said, so did you listen? He said, yeah, I listened to about the first 15 minutes. And then I ran out of time and I had to go do something else. Yeah, so right. mm-hmm. you not all. <laughs> It's not even listening to it. You even fucking come on the show, so I appreciate it. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, like I said, um, I I think it's important. I think um, I've got a talent for talking, and why not use it this way if I can? Um, I've got a talent for messaging. I know politics very well. I've been studying it uh, practically since I was a teenager. So um, that's um, that's what I love. It's kind of my my football. In other words, a lot of people like football or basketball or sports. Uh, I really like politics, so that's what I've always done. I'm a, I'm a talker too. I don't qu- I don't claim quality necessarily, but I got quantity coming out my ass. Well, I I have quality and I've got quantity. See, there two you hours, go. ten hours a week. Um, and actually on Friday, sometimes we go about two and a half hours because a bonehead of the week. There's just so many fucking boneheads at the end of the week that we gotta, 
yeah. we got a wrap and a bonehead. So, but come on over, um, download or watch it live or watch the replay on YouTube. Subscribe to YouTube if you would. Um, subscribe to the directories and download every single episode. Uh, again, Apple, Spotify, Google, it's all there. Just go to thetonymichaels.com. That's thetonymichaels.com. You find all the links there. Thanks again, Mike. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you, Tony, for joining us on the uh, Rational Boomer podcast. All you folks, I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to sit and listen. I hope you have a great day, and uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.